Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you, Cindy. That's one of my favorite songs you sing. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. Preach with the Lord's help. A message entitled, Him that speaketh from heaven. Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll look down at the end of the chapter, verse 25. And uh, we had so many people congratulate us this morning, and I just want to thank you all. And uh, I can't believe that we'll be grandparents shortly. And that's, uh, I don't know how that happens so quickly. I suppose you all have experienced that and wonder how it happens so quickly too. But uh, time flies, and so, uh, but thank you for your congratulations. We appreciate it. We appreciate also your prayers for Emily. And so we thank you so much. Hebrews chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12. I, I'm excited to be a grandpa. I'm just not sure I'm ready to be married to a grandmother. And so I'm not sure how that's going to go. But Brother Steve Donnelly uh, is my friend. We talk pretty regularly. And he said, there is no power on earth like a grandmother. He says, so watch out. And so I, I guess we'll see that transformation take place in the next few months. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 25, the Bible says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Notice that phrase, him that speaketh. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. That's where we take our title tonight, him that speaketh from heaven. Verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shall not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, help us. Thank you for the time of worship tonight, Lord. It blessed my heart. And these hymns that we sang just had so much meaning and doctrine in them that would help us if we would just tune in and listen. Lord, they were a blessing to me tonight. Father, I thank you for those that stood with me up here. And just to hear their harmonies, Lord, gives us just a little glimpse of heaven. I pray, Lord, that you would help us always to come ready to sing your praises. Father, I pray, Lord, that you bless us in the next few moments, Lord, as we look to the word of God, that you would empower it, that you would help us to take heed to what the author of Hebrews is saying to us tonight. And Lord, we know, and there's a debate about who actually wrote Hebrews, but this I do know, the Holy Spirit penned it. Lord, he was not the human author, but Lord, the power of God is in these pages, Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to refuse him that speaketh. So, Lord, I pray that you'd fill me. I surrender and I ask for your help. Lord, that you'd use the time here wisely, Lord, that the message would go forth with your power. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to direct your attention to verse 25, and we'll just read it again tonight and, and understand a little bit about the, the caution that is being given here the Bible says in verse 25, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. 
Verse 25 starts out and says that we should not refuse him that speaketh, but at the end of the verse, it becomes more specific and it lets us know that he that is speaking and who he is referring to is him that speaketh from heaven. I don't know about you, but that would get my attention if the heavens opened up tonight and we were to hear directly from God. I'm taken back to a time in the early ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ where he is in the river Jordan being baptized by John. And the Bible said that upon his baptism, the heavens opened up and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son of whom I'm well pleased. I have a feeling that if you were in the crowd that day, that would never, ever leave your heart or mind again. I'm reminded of a time where the Lord Jesus Christ was up upon the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter, James, and John were there and the Bible says the heavens opened and God spake again. And Peter thought it was like thunders and lightnings. I imagine that it affected them in such a way that they were forever changed. Looking back at Exodus chapter 19, you'll remember that Moses went up on the mount and the Bible says that God told Moses several times to go back down and prepare the people. They were to put guards around the mountain. They were to make sure that the people couldn't break through or gaze upon God in any way or they would surely perish. And God says, even if they touch the mountain, I will shoot them through with an arrow. And the Bible says that God had to keep reminding them and reminding them because he knew their hearts would always lean towards the mountain in a place of rebellion. The Bible says when God came down with thunders and lightnings and his voice began to speak, though they could not make out what he was saying, the Bible says they fell backwards. And they said to Moses, don't let God speak to us, only you speak to us. For if God speaks, we will perish. I'm reminded in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the soldiers came and they said, we're looking for Jesus, and Jesus said, who do you look for? And when he said that, they all fell down. That's the power of God in just his voice. I think when God speaks, we should listen. And there's a prophecy that is made here tonight that we'll look at just for a few moments that I think we'll notice that God says, one day I'm going to speak so that it shakes all of heaven. Notice some things with me of this scripture, if you will, and let's look back, first of all, at this voice. Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 1. Keep your finger there in Hebrews 12, but look at Hebrews chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds." who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What a great way to start an epistle. God who at sundry times and in divers manners in time past spake to us by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. But that's not what the Bible's talking about in Hebrews chapter 12. We look at the the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and we know that he is God in the flesh. He is the son of God. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came, the Bible says he took upon flesh. And I believe with all my heart that most of the time, 99.9% of the time when Jesus spoke, 
there was compassion in his voice. There was kindness and love in his voice. There was only those few times where soldiers fell down. There was times where he would speak and the waves and the winds would cease. There was times where he would cry out, Lazarus, come forth, and Jesus would come out of the grave, or Lazarus would come out of the grave. There was times that Jesus did miraculous things with his voice, but Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about a voice from heaven, the voice of God. Let me ask you tonight, have you ever heard it? Elijah reminds us that it's not always the wind or the fire or the earthquake. It's often that still small voice speaking to our hearts, pleading with us. I I believe there's times where we've been in church and the Spirit of God has been speaking to us and shaking the very foundation of our souls and we don't respond like we ought to. So I want you to look at some things tonight in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. There's a warning that is given in the book of Hebrews. It says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Are we listening for the voice of God? Are we listening when he speaks? Notice, first of all, in verse 25, we see a precaution. A precaution. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. There's an implication that we can tune God out. Have you ever done that? You know that you're in sin and you know that you're headed the wrong direction and God's still small voice is beckoning upon your heart and even more so his chastening hand comes along and he begins to deal intimately with your life and yet we refuse to listen to what God has to say because we can sometimes be stubborn. Sometimes it's not the Father's gracious hand, it's sometimes the two by four in the head that we need because we are a stubborn people. But he speaks and he pleads and he begs and he weeps and he prays for us. He is our intercessor. But there's an implication made in Scripture that we can tune him out. Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And look, if you will, at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice. Hear that? If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As in the provocation, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. There's an implication here in the scriptures that we can harden our hearts against God and we can tune him out. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, you say, why does it matter? Because Romans 10, 17 says this, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we are not going to listen to God, our faith will not grow. Turn, if you will, to Psalm chapter 78. We'll spend a little bit of time in that passage, but keep your finger in Hebrews 12, but look at Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78, I want you to just read the first four verses with me and notice some things. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. 
I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Notice the scripture the psalmist writes that we are to give ear to the word of God. Notice, first of all, that means to grant attention. Give ear means to listen or to pay attention and to tune out the clamor of this world. There are times that I can do that and there are times that I cannot. I'll be honest. If I am studying for a message, there are time, I, I, I need quiet. I may have music playing very softly in the background, but it's, it's difficult for me to focus if there's too much clamor. I, you know, we had uh, uh, Timmy and Toby over yesterday. If you look in the dictionary, that's the very definition of clamor. All right. But they, they had, we had a lot of fun. But I just knew in my heart, this is not, not the time to be studying for tomorrow. I just knew that. And uh, they built some Lego things, and we had a good time with them. We had, we had fun, but clamor. But then there's other times where the Lord allows me to focus. If I'm preaching, you, you, could, you could murder somebody right here in the auditorium. I'd never notice it. I wouldn't hear their screams. I wouldn't know. My wife says, did you hear that baby screaming? They had to carry that kid out, dragging him, dragging him down the aisles. I said, no, I didn't hear a thing. What happened? And it was right there in front of me. I just, I just don't know. When I'm preaching, I'm focused. I don't... But you, you know as well as I do, there's times where we need to focus. That's what this word means, give ear. Give our attention to. Get rid of all the clamor. Get rid of all the distractions. God says, if you're going to listen to my word, I, I, need, I need your attention. I remember when Emily was just a little girl. She was about two and a half, three years old. And she used to love messing with me when I was watching a baseball game. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time watching ball, but if that's some nights I'd like to unwind, I'd put on the Blue Jays game and I'd be sitting there watching it. And that's when she'd crawl up in my lap and she'd face me. And if I was watching the game, she'd take my chin and she'd point it right at her eyes and she'd stare at me. And I'd go over here like this and she'd go over here like this and I'd go over here and she'd take my chin and she'd pull it back. And she was saying, Dad, I need your undivided attention right now. You pay attention to me. I think sometimes God takes our chin and just moves us over. He says, give ear. Give ear. Incline yourself. Notice the next word, incline. We are to grant attention, but the word incline means to gain awareness. To gain awareness. Incline your ears. In other words, we're not, we're not, we're not just sitting there waiting for the Lord to speak. Literally, when he says incline your ears, he means go looking for it. Seek after the Lord. I say, I have a desire. I want to hear from God. And when I read the word of God, I'm hoping he'll speak to me. So God, open up the heavens and speak to me. That's what incline your ears means. So we grant our attention and we gain awareness, but then we're to give it away. Look at verse 3, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, listen, we will not hide them from our children. Listen, we're to share the word of God with others. We, we, we are raising a biblically illiterate generation. They need God. We need more God. 
But our next generation needs for us to say, listen, here's how God has taught me from his word. And here's how God has spoke to my heart. And here's how God is calling me and leading me and growing me and increasing my faith. And we need to pass that on. He says, I will not hide it from the next generation. But in Hebrews chapter 12, he warns us, he gives us precaution that the tendency is that we might turn our ear away. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 12 and look at the next thing. We see, first of all, precaution. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, but we also see a prophecy. Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. So first, he gives us a reminder of the power of the voice of God. We see, he says, then, then I shook the earth. I believe he's referring back to Exodus chapter 9 that I referenced a few moments ago. When God would come to that mountain, he would speak, and the thunders and the lightning and the earthquake shook the very foundation of that mountain, and the people stood back for fear of God. And by the way, that was only his voice. Imagine if God came down on that mountain himself. But all he did was speak. And it struck fear into their hearts. Look back in Matthew chapter 12, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, back up to verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched with that, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they heard uh, entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They beg God, don't say anything else. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto the Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an immeasurable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of just men made perfect. And he's saying, so he says, you're not coming to the same place. You're coming to a mercy seat. You're coming to a God that loves you, a place of grace. So do not turn away. Listen to God. So he reminds them of the power of the voice of God. But then he gives them a revelation, and notice what he says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. One day God is going to speak, and everything's going to shake. And there's a purpose behind it. Notice what he says. He will do it again, and this time he will shake all of heaven and earth. Turn if you will, let's see that. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Look there. That's the very last book of the Bible, Brother Bauckham. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 15. And his feet like undefined brass. And if they burned in a furnace, listen to this. And his voice as the sound of many waters. I've been, I've been to the ocean. I've been down to the Atlantic and I've been to the Pacific. But the most impressive place I was was in Africa at the ocean. And it was also the Atlantic, just on the other side. But it was down by the equator. And the waves were coming in and crashing. 
And I'm standing there with Brother Arnold and Brother Alex Bulma. And we were talking and we were yelling at each other so they could hear. The sound of many waters. Those waves crashing. Just what a, what a powerful God. And God says, one day I will speak with the sound of many waters. And, and look at Revelation 19. He tells us when he'll do it. Revelation chapter 19. Look at verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth, listen, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Imagine that voice going forth like a sword, wiping out the armies of this earth. That's the power of God's voice, the voice from heaven. Now look thirdly back in our text, Hebrews chapter 12. We see a prophecy. We see a precaution. But we see a purification. Verse 27, in this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Boy, that's a tough verse to understand, isn't it? I said there's two voices in verse 26. He said, I spoke at the mountain, referring back to the earlier part of Hebrews chapter 12 and referring back to Exodus chapter 19. And he says, but I'm going to speak again, and it won't just shake the earth, it'll shake the heavens and the earth. Now listen, here's what's going to accomplish a purifying is going to take place. In Hebrews chapter 27, or 12 verse 27, he says, In this word, this second time, this one that will shake not the earth only, but also heaven, this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. Do you know what's going to fall down when the Lord speaks there in Revelation 19? Everything that man has made. Hebrews chapter 12, he says it's going to shake the earth so that the things that are shaken and fall down are the things that are made. He says the only thing that's going to survive this shaking are the things you didn't make. The earth is going to be purified. That kind of makes sense to me because the Bible says we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. It's a good thing we get a new Jerusalem. Because everything that... Listen, do you want to go to heaven and see a bunch of stuff that man made? No. God says, I'm going to purify this earth. Everything that we ever made is going to be wiped out. And we're going to see a new Jerusalem come down, take place, its place upon this earth. So we see, first of all, the purging of the earth as of things that are made. And then we see the purifying of that which is eternal. And this word yet is one more signified, the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things, listen, which cannot be shaken 
may remain. God has made some things to be eternal. And it's just like a sifter. He's going to take this earth and he's going to start shaking it. And all those things. And you say, well, how's he going to do that? With a voice from heaven. That's it. We look at the massive power of God and we think of God with all these big muscles sitting upon a throne and casting out stars with his fingertips and all he's going to do is say, now. And the earth and the heavens are going to shake. And think of a sifter. As it shakes, all the things that we made are going to fall down and all the things that God made to be eternal are going to stand strong. God has just purified the earth. And prepared it for that new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 19 when he returns and the word goes out like a sword. Jesus taught of this in Matthew chapter 6. Listen, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. This is temporal. You know, you can, you can make millions and millions of dollars on this earth, but it won't fit in your coffin. You can't take it with you. I, somebody sent me a meme just a little while ago, and it was from in Africa, and it was a picture. I'm not kidding. It was a hearse pulling a U-Haul, and the, the caption said, "I guess I was wrong. You can take it with you, but you can't. Anything that we lay up on this earth, the Bible says moth, moth and rust are going to corrupt. Notice what he says here. He says, "And where thieves break through and steal." But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, I, I don't know about you, and I understand the message is, is about God coming and purifying this earth and us being careful about where we lay our treasures. But I am just overwhelmed by the mighty power of the word of God. He's going to speak and shake it down to its foundations. Wow. Notice something else tonight. We see a purification, but we see a promise. Verse 28. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. You see, when God does done all that shaking, the only thing left is a kingdom that cannot be moved. I believe the new Jerusalem that is built by God's own hands and sent down from the heavens above. He says, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, listen, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Number one, it's a promise that leaves us secure. You know, I was talking to a fellow not long ago. I was getting my tires changed on my car a couple years ago on the car that Emily had for college. And I was talking to him, and, and uh, he lives pretty much off the grid. You understand what I mean? He, he, doesn't, he has solar panels. He doesn't even want to pay a hydro bill. And... Uh, I kind of looked around there, and, and Jeff was actually with me. You know who I'm talking about, and, and talking to the guy. And, and I, I've gone over to him and used him for different things over the years. The faithman blew a tire, and we got a tire from him and things, and, and talked to him. And, and I, I finally asked him one day. I invited him to church and stuff, and I said, listen, I said, I'm just curious. 
I just noticed you've got no wires coming in here. I said, you're just kind of solar panels. And I said, you live off the grid a little bit. And he said, here's why. He says, I, he says, I worked really hard for years. And he says, I put $7 million in the bank. He says, I woke up one morning and it was all gone. He says, I didn't spend it. I didn't blow it. I didn't waste it. It was just gone. And he says, I realized the things that you build up on this earth can be gone in a minute. And I said, man, there's some good preaching in there. And he went, ah, you're not a saved man. I said, you are absolutely right. The Bible tells us not to lay up treasures on this earth because moth will corrupt it. Governments will take it away. It can be destroyed in a moment. How many times have we watched the news and see somebody that had a beautiful home only to have a tornado take it completely? A flood comes and wipes it away. I remember in Bible college flying into St. Louis, Missouri to go back to school. And as we came in, we saw the Mississippi had flooded almost a mile on either side and houses laying there in the middle of the river. Things that people had worked tirelessly for were gone. God said, there's a, there's a city coming that cannot be shaken. A kingdom. He says, even by my voice, it'll stand true. He says, that's where you need to lay your treasures. That's where you need to go. So we see a promise that will leave us secure. But we also see a promise that leads us to serve. Notice what he says. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You know, sometimes we don't serve God the way we ought to because we're too tied to the world. I said this morning, if we're going to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ, we cannot be entangled with the affairs of this world. He says, because you have this heavenly home, just go serve. Nobody can take that away from you. There's an old song says, they may strip me of my freedom and bind me with their chains. Health may leave my body and be replaced with pain. They can come and get my treasures and cause my poverty, but they can't take it all away from me. They can't remove the rock on which I stand. They can't remove the cornerstone and cast it in the sea. For I'm sheltered in the arms of God, guided by the unseen hand. And they can't take that away from me. You know, where, where are we looking? Where, there's so many, so many influences barking in our ear today. Are we listening to God? Notice, notice our scripture right back to verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Are we listening to him? Because when we listen to him, what he offers us is eternal. Verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. He burns away the chaff. He shakes off the temporal and the earthy. He purifies and makes us holy for service. I put this note at the bottom. Last year, our theme was be the church. Be the church. If we're to truly be the church, what we are talking about is investing in things that have eternal value. 
laying aside the clamor of this world and tuning in to God's voice. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, we pray. There are so many distractions today, so many things that would plug our ears to the voice of God. Father, sometimes we don't even recognize it anymore. Lord, I pray to you to awaken us. Help us to do what the psalmist says, to incline our ears, to go seek after your voice. I'm reminded of a day when there was no open vision, and the Bible says the word of God was precious in those days. Eli had not heard from God. Samuel had not heard the voice of the Lord. And as a result, the word of God was precious. Lord, is your voice that precious to us today? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to listen, to not shun your word, but to wholly give ourselves to obedience. Speak to us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Altars open if God has spoke to your heart.